What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Fam, I am so beyond honoured and excited to bring to you this incredible, incredible, amazing, beautiful, inspiring, magnetic, magnificent, holistic, just oh, incredible woman. Oh, and hilarious. Let's not forget hilarious. Hilarious woman. Candace Danforth is a woman who has been in my world for a really long time. We have seen each other on Zoom screens from across the globe and it's really funny. Do you ever spend and share time with someone or even see them on the internet and you look at that person and you think, fuck, if we were in the same place, we would be best friends. Candace is someone who I would love to travel all the way to America to share and spend time with. She's amazing. It was actually our first time one-on-one and we couldn't believe it. I felt a little bit like I was on a first date and I kind of wish that I dressed a little bit sexier to impress. (laughs) No, she's amazing and she has such a fucking journey. Like Candace has always been someone that I love just because of how deep she is, but also how fucking funny she is. If you know me, you know that I really love humor. Laughter is my favorite medicine. If you go on her Instagram page, her reels just put me in fits of laughter. She is so funny, so courageous, so expressed. And I love seeing a woman really embodied in her self-expression. And then watching her, witnessing her online this past year, she went through something really, really, really challenging. She went through breast cancer fam and we got to witness that and witness her journey online. And as it was occurring, I was like, this woman is handling this like an absolute fucking bad bitch. And this is inspiring beyond measure. You are powerful beyond measure. I don't know how she's doing it. And I got so enrolled in her journey, obviously, because I know her, but then seeing how she was using humor, but she was also bringing in her mom and her dad. And just, I felt like I started to know everyone, like they were a character of a TV show, but it was someone that I really cared about. And when I was thinking about the podcast of raw, real, vulnerable conversations, I thought, to myself, this is something I would love to hear her speak about. And when she's ready and open, I was like, you know, when someone's going through something, you're like, when do I, when, if I, do I say something? Do I not say something? Is the right time, the wrong time? Like she's talking about it on the internet. So I'm just going to ask her if she would be open to it. And when she is, I would love, love, love to have this conversation with her because no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've been through, fuck, this conversation is huge and so inspiring on so many levels and the way in which Candace held herself this past year is just for me hearing her experience a true testament to all the work that she has done up until now so I'm so beyond like I said proud and inspired and in complete adoration and just true deep gratitude for Candace holding and sharing this time and space with me and being willing to go there with me around this. I received full body shivers so many times throughout the conversation. And now I just can't wait to go to America because Candace is on my list of someone that I deeply desire to share and spend so much time with. She just lights up my face, my heart. I'm laughing. I'm inspired. I'm attracted to her. She's just like, wow, like whatever man gets to come into her world and like eat her alive. Fuck, (laughs) you're one lucky guy. I hope you enjoy listening to this just as much as I love recording it. If you do, I'd love for you to screenshot it, share it to your story. Make sure you tag both myself and Candace so that we can both connect with you. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go.
I am laughing my head off because Candice and I just had a really great introduction and then I looked at my mic and realized it was not plugged in. (laughs) So round two of our first date together, we have known each other for quite a long time now. We've been in a lot of online rooms together, but we've never sat Mm one-on-one. So you're about to tune into Beck and Candice's first date. But Candice Danforth, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you so much for having me. This is so funny. That was probably one of the best introductions ever. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like trying to swoon this woman and next minute I'm just fucking it up all over the place. You've already got me back. You've already got me. Amazing. Nailed it. So you look beautiful today, by the way. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Incredible. And I'm blushing. For anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do in this world, who is Candace Danforth? Who is Candace Danforth? <laughs> Good question. So I I am a personal freedom coach. Um, I want to say probably about seven or eight years ago, I kind of went through this period of time where I wanted, I really loved coaching people. I've always managed people in my careers. And I always kind of had this soft spot for wanting to help people grow in the same ways that I kept seeing myself grow. So a lot of the tools that I acquired over the years, I wanted to give that back to people to really help them achieve personal freedom within, you know, where we're not so focused on our outward, everything that's going on outside of ourselves, we can really grow within and realize that so much of that is kind of crap that we worry about, that we focus on, that we're like comparing ourselves to everybody else. That's personal freedom is when you can rid yourself of that and truly find out who you are, there's something so special in that. Mm. I love helping people achieve that because I'm still achieving it. You know, it doesn't ever stop, but it's really, you know, we're all on different sections of our path, right? So how would someone know, just out of curiosity, that they are desiring personal freedom? Because I know we talk about this a lot in the coaching space. Mm. How would someone be like, it is personal freedom that I need. It is my Instagram doesn't matter. My Botox and my surgery and all and my fitness and my abs and my handbags, and my shoes and my car and my money in my bank account is yeah. personal freedom. How would someone know that? It's a really good question. I love that question. Honestly, you know, when you're sitting there, either in that con- kind of comparison mindset, and you're watching people, whether that's you're in your own life or whether that's online, if you find yourself without the feeling of jealousy, even if that feeling creeps up in there, but you're looking at their life and you're sitting there going, hmm, you seem like a person that doesn't honestly care a lot about what other people think. You, you're very free in your spirit. When you see somebody that's free like that, it's really obvious that they're just, they're okay with putting stuff out there. If that is what you're desiring and you're seeing that in somebody else, usually that means that you're desiring that within yourself to feel free from these, I was going to say like oppression, but it's really intense word, but where you feel like you are stuck in your own life. You're stuck in the way that you're able to communicate with people. You're always scared that you're going to say the wrong thing. Those are feelings that we're not free within ourselves. If that's what you're scared of is another human thinking of you a certain way, then we're not truly free. And I think that it's that's how I've noticed people 
when they're desiring that, those are the things that they look at. They're like, I'm a people pleaser. You're so focused on what people think of you. And if my parents are going to be mad, if my husband's going to be mad, right? Like we're so worried about everybody else than, than ourselves. That's when the freedom, I notice when people really want or need that, even though if they don't know how to label it as personal freedom, that's what, what I tend to see. Mm, I love that. How did you know inside of yourself that this a massive desire for personal freedom was coming through? At what stage in your journey were you like, time to stop? And I'm just creating assumption from my own journey here. Time to stop doing what I've been trying because that is no longer working and something different gets to come through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I found that I saw that more within my friendships. Like I've always been able to make friends easily, but to really nurture a friendship, that's a completely different thing. And I have had beautiful friendships in my life since I was little or even like midlife, like in my 20s that I've kept that whole time. And I always would compare the ones that I was just meeting to these people that have been in my life. And there was some ability of truth and vulnerability that I was able to curate throughout these friendships. But I noticed that these newer friendships where I was starting to lose myself, I was also noticing I was pushing people away or these friendships, like something would happen. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, this is really frustrating, like drama. There was a lot of drama in my life. And like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, I don't know why this keeps happening. And it's so easy to blame and think that it's everybody else, right? Like, why am I just not be able to pick friends right now? Or like, I don't know why these, like, these conversations keep happening or something happens, right? And it was always very dramatic. And I realized, oh, well, maybe it could be, could be me, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, nah. right? <laughs> no that's really what happened, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I, and then I just had to take a deep dive look into why I would react certain ways or why I mm. need to be overly blunt. And there's, there's a difference between blunt with your friends and just like, you know, spewing off bullshit that you're like trying to almost like hurt them in a way because you're not dealing with your own insecurity. Those were things that I started to notice. And I was like, I don't really like that side of me. It was like, there was a parts of me that were showing up that I really didn't, I didn't like anymore. And I didn't want to keep, I had to figure out why they, they kept showing up. <laughs> That's a really sobering moment of, I keep having these same scenarios occurring time and time again. I'm attracted to drama what is going on out there yeah and then having that realization land that maybe it is something within me that gets to shift yes and that's the work which can be powerful to take I mean when things don't go my way the first thing I'm like whose fault is it other than my own I almost watch myself do it I'm like you were so funny Rebecca like it's everyone else I'm like Jake will be like personal responsibility I'll be like fuck that he's like use your tools I'll be like fuck that totally or like I would need to tell my story about this person to like the people that were closest to me like I need to talk mm. about this like I need to talk to you about so and so because it's them they're yeah. the issue and I kept doing that over and over again and so almost attempting to recruit people to buy into your story to give ammunition so that you could start to believe it 
Exactly. You said it perfectly. <laughs> and so what did your, I mean, I watch you online because A, you're so funny and B, you're so real. I mean, I love, you know, that I love a good bit of humor, but it looks as an outsider who's witnessing, you've gone through quite a lot this year alone, mm. that you've got an incredible network of people that really, really love, adore, respect, care for you deeply. I do. I do. That was actually, when you talk about sobering moments, that was something that um, I'm like, I hope I don't cry, but that was really, it was a really powerful thing to receive in my life where I was such a people, like that's been my thing to heal, right? Rejection wound, people pleaser. I was always feeling like I had to go above and beyond for everybody else for to feel approved of, right? Um, that was my story. And to receive love and actually allow it in without being like, no, I don't need like, I don't need that much help. It was like a constant overflow. And I needed that energy. I mean, one, I would say one of the biggest reasons why I got through this as well as I did was because of the energy that I kept around me. That really played a huge role in my recovery. And my my family just like the the sensitivity the comfort the nurturing that i received was everything it was everything that took a lot for me and more than i thought it would but once i was once i allowed it it just it was so comforting and beautiful to know that i have accumulated and acquired these relationships over the course of my life that when i truly needed people they were there for me. And that was humbling because it also made me look at how I've been showing up and would I be there in the same way for them? When that happens, you've got to take and kind of flip it. And I, I did, I was able to say to every single person that was there for me, I was like, I would totally be there for them. Oh my God. And that was another thing that was, um, it was just such a heartwarming experience to go through. So it allowed me to really move through the fact that I was also going through cancer. So almost like seamlessly, you know, like, yes, I was in pain physically, very much in pain more than I've ever experienced. But I just, I had those people that were, were really standing by my side and making me not think about it or laugh or cry or do all the things that you just need to do when you're going through something like that. It was, it was beautiful <laughs> to say that wow. I answered and had such a beautiful experience at once. It was crazy. <laughs> so that's incredible. I know we're switching gears a little bit. We've spoken about the rejection wound, the people pleaser, having these ineffective patterns show up in friendship and then that transition of literally me witnessing you from someone outside but someone who deeply cares for you and seeing how loved and supported you are and that was through the past year is that one of your most challenging experiences that you've had to navigate to date 100 percent, yes and I know that you touched on it lightly but can you share like this this time in your life where you've received so much love and so much support and almost like a full circle moment of all the work that you did back then to have this incredible community of humans now around you because of the work essentially that you've done. What is it that you were navigating? 
Oh, gosh. A lot of different things. Let me see where I would want to begin with that, because I feel like there was, I mean, it was a constant flow of different revelations that would happen for me throughout my experience. Because at first, you're, you know, I'm having to make these decisions so quickly without... I mean, with almost little to no time to really have a chance to research at first or anything, it was just like my tumor was probably about that big in my right breast. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it was, I had to get it out of there so that it didn't travel to my lymph nodes, but really go through this experience as a woman. And I was just talking about this to my best friend and she could totally understand. And it was like, my body wasn't mine anymore. And, and it's in, in a place that is, you're very much a woman up here, right? <laughs> like with boobs. And so just to be, Even when I first thought about flirting with you, I was like, lower top, get the boobs out. And I was like, fuck, is that, is that appropriate? Is it inappropriate? When I asked her to do the podcast, she said she was a yes to it all. I'm like, Don't fuck it up and say the wrong thing, Rebecca. But yeah, our breasts are, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm definitely, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm definitely going to fuck it up and say the wrong thing. <laughs> That was hilarious. A part of our womanhood almost. It is. And, you know, like, I mean, I had so many moments where I was just holding my boobs while I was like on the couch and just loving myself in a way that I had never loved myself before, honoring this part of me that it was going to have to go. And when you hear double mastectomy and the, one of the biggest things was I didn't look it up online. I looked it up like once and then I was like terrified and I, you know, mm-hmm. we tend to put ourselves in more fear when we start mm-hmm. to look at other people's experience. I didn't join breast cancer groups or anything like that. I personally didn't need that in the very beginning. Because at the very beginning, I was just trying to wrap my head around the fact that I'm also 39 at the time. I was finally at a point where I was ready to start dating again after Mm. this whole thing that happened with my ex. And so I was just like, yeah, like I can, I'm going to do this. It's great. And then it's like, you have breast cancer. I'm like, what? And I'm alone too, like at least in my head without a partner, right? Not the fact that I was with a lot of people, but I didn't even have a partner to go through it with. So all of a sudden I was like ready. I was like my life, my business was going great. I had so many clients. I was like, this is so awesome. Like I love everything. I love everybody, everybody I love. (laughs) And then it's like, and then God came and shook your shit up entirely. Exactly. And he was like, we're just going to give you this little small thing on your plate and just see how you do with that. <laughs> um, but it was a lot. And and then I had to lose my nipples on top of that. I tried everything not to have that happen. I had to get many biopsies. Again, you're just being poked and your breast is being shoved in this thing. And you're just constantly just like naked from like the top up. You're just like, all right, <laughs> I guess this is just you guys are just going to constantly see these. You just start to like you s- detach yourself is really what happening to me. I just started to detach because it just was constant. I just, I, there was, there was no like ability to (laughs) cover up at all. And then I lose my nipples and I'm just like sitting there going, I went through some moments where of course you think about like being with a, a man and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like, I I don't know how this, oh my God is. And you like in my head at the time, like, are they going to think I'm beautiful still? That is such an interesting thing to say to yourself. Cause then I'm like, 
well, of course, like the right guy, the right man is going to love you for who you are. But it are, you know, those were the moments that the vanity hit me. I, mm. I didn't have very many of those because I didn't allow myself to go there. But when I did, those were those shitty thoughts that come in to try to destroy your peace. Right. Mm. And those are the things that will get us down. There was moments that I was, every time I heard that, I was like, absolutely not. Like the person, like, don't even go there, Candace. Like, and then I'd find other things that I loved about myself. I was like, look at this and look at this, you know, like your, your outward appearance is nothing, you know, compared to what you have to offer on the inside. So it took- That is such a massive testament to all the work that you've been doing up until now. Because they say that our resources, once used in a triggered state, like we get to be in continuous practice so we can lean in and use them. But in that scenario of everything that you went through, being topless and just basically being like, well, this is it now. This is my, I'm just out for everyone to just grab and squeeze and push into things. And my nipples are going. And that was the one thing that I didn't want. And then to be able to say, like, no, Candace, we're not going there today. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Amazing. Yeah, God. it was. Yeah. And but but also rewarding. And I'm sure you probably can understand that. Like the first time that you were talking about having herpes and just getting it out there and being like, here we are. Here we are. Like, I, I can't imagine how scary that is. Right. And it's the same of saying, no, I have no nipples. Like, oh, my God. Like, what if any if any man hears this or they're like, OK, no, like those are the thoughts that are that are terrible that you have to look at and go, why is that happening? No, we got to look at that because you are not, you're not your nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love you so much. And why do you think that would, I mean, I believe that the herpes virus can show up in a different vehicle for other people and what you've been through, just, I'm in awe of how you've navigated this in what feels like to me a really short time. I'm just like on my hands and knees bowing to you you're remarkable because when did you first find out can I ask yeah at the end of February this year Mm -hmm. and I've been through two surgeries pretty much back to back the second one was terrible oh my god I've never I did liposuction and so I took fat from my body to put in my boobs and I mean the running joke in my friends and family was like well, can they, they can have some of my fat. (laughs) Every single one of them. That was like the running joke. Like, well, can family give fat? (laughs) Can we all contribute to your new breasts? I was like, that would be so awkward when you think about that, if I had like a little bit of everybody. (laughs) When you do call in this amazing man, you're like, oh, that's my mom you're touching right now. And yep, that's my cousin. That's my best friend. That's my dad. It's my dad over there on the left. Are you enjoying those babies? Oh my God. My entire family is watching you. So gross and hilarious at the same time. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So very different change of tune to our laughter. But February, when you find out, what is that like, what is that day like? Because I'm assuming there was no expectation, no build up, no, maybe something is going on in my body. No. And then bam, it's here. That was, yeah, that was probably one of the most, um, we all kept it in our head when I was going in for these biopsies. Like I kept hearing that it was like a calcification. It's a calcification. I heard that so much that I started to believe. And I I needed to so that I could at least, 
you know, just get through. I was like, okay, well, we don't, we kept just saying like me and my mom, my family that knew that I was doing these biopsies. It was just like, well, we're just going to, you know, wait until we know. And then I was actually watching my friend's dogs and my mom and I were getting ready to go, go out to a movie. And I was like, oh, can you take the dogs out? I go, I got to call back the doctor. They called me and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you could see that she was just like, wanted to stay to hear. But I was like, can you just, you know, like, I, w- I want to be on the phone first. And she, her voice is melancholy, right? And it was just, I'm really sorry you have breast cancer. And you hear that. And you're just like, it's like your whole life flashes before your eyes. Like, I didn't even know how to wrap my head around it. I just sat there and then it was like, Charlie Brown's teacher, like, wah, 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 wah. Like, I, she was saying all these different terms that I had never heard before. And she was like, kind of cracking a few jokes to try to like lighten the mood. And I was like, not a good time, Jackie. <laughs> like, oh my God. Taking candy for bad jokes, but not right now, bitch. Not right now. Not now. And then it was just, she just said, Can I, do you need some time? And I was like, Yes, please. Can you call me back in? a little bit. My mom, my mom walked in and I was just like, I have cancer. I have cancer. And she like, I've never seen my mom like that before ever. She was shaking and she just was looking at me and like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she just grabbed me and I was just bawling, absolutely bawling. And I just told her, I was like, she hugged me, but I needed a minute. And I was like, I just need a minute. Can you, can you just give me a second? And I, I shut the door and I just sat and cried to myself and I could hear my mom outside. And she was just like, she was getting upset because my dad wasn't picking up the phone. And it was just this like whirlwind of stuff going on. And then the next thing I knew, I, she gave me about like 20 minutes and I went outside and she just had a glass of wine sitting waiting for me. And she was like, will this help? And I was like, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Grabbed it. And I sat down and I was just like, okay, okay. And it was like, the tears kind of stopped at that point. And I just was like, okay, here we are. Like, what, what, what am I going to do? And then, then my whole family was calling me. I had to reach out to everybody. I said, I'm not going to, anybody that I knew that knew about this, I said, I want to tell you something. I have breast cancer and I can't talk about it right now. I don't want to go into it. I just need some time. And my mom, for that week, all we did was hang out, watch movies, have fun, have glasses of wine, eating cheese, (laughs) cheese boards, just talking. Mm -hmm. And that those are the moments that I remember the most because they just, I, that's all I needed. I didn't need to sit there and think about treatments and how to go about this. I needed to just be. And that is why I love my family so much because they just allowed, they were just really good about giving me the space I needed in whatever capacity that was. Mm-hmm. And however I wanted to look, they didn't pressure me to do certain things, talk about certain things. It was just, I was really blessed in that, in that department. I really, really was. They gave you the space that you, you needed. Oh yeah. 
and just to relax into it. This is not an easy thing here, right? And, you know, anybody that's listening to this, you want to give, just, just be there. You don't say anything like whatever that person needs. That's what you're there for, right? Like some people I've, you know, I've heard because I've had people talk to me about this where they're just like giving them so much information. Did you hear about this? Like when it comes to breast cancer, if I, I didn't want to be put in more fear. I was, I I just found out I had cancer. I'm already scared enough, right? right? Like I don't need to know about how bad yours was or how terrible your experience was at that moment until I was able to process my own situation. I didn't want to be in in rooms where people were not doing well. Have you like studied epigenetics where it's like our thoughts control the way that the body like responds to certain thoughts and feelings and emotions that we have? Yeah, I was about to do that. <laughs> Whenever I'm talking about my metabolism to my partner, Jake's like epigenetics, epigenetics, epigenetics. <laughs> Yes, totally different. But it was almost like I was talking to some friends the other day and I think also a podcast where I was talking about building my business and my dad had all of these money fears and I actually didn't speak to him for a year and a half because it terrified him so much about the thought of me not being safe and me not being okay that he would constantly be like, but what about this and what about this and what about this and what about this to the point that I was like, no, 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 no. I like understand that they're your fears. However, I don't need them. Like I'm going through my own process right now and it feels challenging enough that I don't need yours. And even though very different circumstances, it almost feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the core of it's the same, right? Like the, the point is, is that you have a choice, like in your own sovereign being, you're making the choices all the time. And sometimes we make those choices that go against what our body, who we are needs in that moment. And it's like, you had to make that choice and it's your father for crying out loud, right? Like that's not easy. Those those choices aren't easy, but your peace and your sanity is more important than anything. He's so scared of losing you. Yet if like, if something like what happened to me happened to you, right? Like, him doing that sort of behavior would actually almost hinder your ability to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that was the thing with me. It was like, I'm not going to look up mastectomies. If you do look, I did end up looking at them after. And I was like, like, mine looked beautiful. I was so impressed mm-hmm. by like my doctor. And like, if I would have looked at those, I mean, some of them were scary where it was like, they looked like they were like hacked all over and they were you know and i'm like the freaking internet man fam are you ready to up level your love life and date with confidence do you desire a powerful partnership but you're unclear on what your dating and relationship standards are after women started creating incredible clarity within themselves after downloading my free dating and relationship standards framework i couldn't not get us all into one big virtual room and run a live webinar on exactly this And my raw, real and vulnerable fam, you're invited. In this 75-minute live webinar, you are going to learn how to activate your feminine and masculine power held within to set empowering standards from both energetics, how to be a stand below standards by saying yes to your yes and equally knowing your no, and I'm going to support you with embodiment tools and practices so that you can break free from the fear of rejection and attract into your world potential partners who are living in alignment to your wants, needs and desires. There's nothing that I love more than facilitating this work live with my incredible community of women. 
seats for this free webinar are limited. So make sure you head to the link in my show notes and secure your seat for November 29th today. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's fucking go. I always say, I know you related it back to herpes a few minutes ago, but I always say Google is the worst doctor. Do not find out something about your health and jump straight onto Google because the, if you're in any state of fear, you're just like throwing fuel onto a fire in that moment and you're about to blow it up in your mind and all of a sudden you've got all of these visuals to attach to that aren't even real and are not going to be your reality. So why put it in your head to begin with? Exactly. I mean, you find out you have cancer, you find out you have herpes, you're in a very vulnerable state. So this is your health and you have no idea. And I'm sure you can relate to this. You have no idea what your future looks like anymore. All of a sudden you have these things that you thought you had planned or thought you were going to experience. That takes a complete turn in the opposite direction once you find out something like this. So that type of vulnerability can, I mean, anything can hinder that, the smallest little thing. So my peace was all that was important to me, all that was important because I- And you know what's so powerful about that? You spoke about the rejection wound and the people pleaser, and it almost makes me feel so grateful for all the deep work that you've done up until now for this to occur. Because imagine if you hadn't done that work. And these people are coming in and saying, but Candace is, you need to know this. And oh my God, my experience is, but oh God, this doctor. And have you seen this picture on the internet? Mm-hmm. If you hadn't done that work to shift through that people, please, you would have just been sitting there like, yeah, 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 yeah. And before it, you'd been like, this is now the experience is tenfold, a mm-hmm. hundredfold the pain that I'm experiencing because I don't have the, I don't even know how to set boundaries with anyone, especially people we love that can often be the hardest place to say, I'm not available for this say. I know it's coming from a place of love, but no. Yeah. Oh my God. I actually there was there was one person on this journey that did say something to me that was like I, I it was probably like a month and a half after my mastectomy. And she was going through a lot as well in her own life. Totally understand. I like a lot. And But I knew that I didn't have a lot to give. When you know that you don't have a lot to give, you don't give from that place. You don't. That's a very clear sign that if you start doing that, your body then goes into stress because you're doing something that isn't comfortable to you. Your body's trying to tell you no, but you're doing it people-pleasing. That's what we're doing when we're people-pleasing. You're doing it anyway. What if I was to put myself in that stress when my body was already under a ton of stress? Right. And so this person, she ended up saying like, Hey, I just, we were talking about something that had to do with like trying to get on each other's schedules. And I was like, I just can't do things last minute right now. I was very honest and upfront. I said, and some people aren't used to that with me, right. When I have to do it. And I was like, I'm, I just am in a place that I have to schedule right now. I don't do anything last minute. Sometimes when it comes to the day of, I just don't feel like doing it. So that's where I'm at. And the way that I must have said it just triggered a wound inside of her, right? And then she just wrote me this long thing about how she feels that she puts more effort into the friendship than me. And I, at first I read it and my initial, like I started doing a voice note right away and then I erased it. And I was like, oh, 
Relate that. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, I'm clearly not ready to speak yet. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> and um, that's like again, if that was me ten years ago, I would have I would have done it right away. I can't look at. I would have taken pictures of all the times I reached out to her and like showed her, you know, in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Like I have been a great friend. This is my evidence of my good friendship and me putting in more energy, time and effort into you. And this is the time that I message you at this time. Remember you're having a breakdown at 2 a.m. in the morning, Saturday, the 21st of January, 1994. And that's the time that your ex-boyfriend dumped you. It's so true though. It's like such girl, but we like, I would have done that. And so it was a big moment for me to just, I didn't have the energy either. Like when I was speaking, I would like, I felt myself riled up and I was like, man, that was a lot. And that was only like a minute. And that just felt like so much work right there. So much that I didn't want to be a part of. And so I just left the conversation, didn't say anything. And then next thing you know, like later that night, she's writing me back. And then the next morning she's writing me. I hadn't even said anything yet. And I was like, okay, this is it right here. Like she's actually going through something. Like if at first my emotion was getting the best of me where I needed to defend myself. But once I was able to self-regulate, get my body down to a place where I was like my mind, my body just sitting there going, oh, okay, wait a minute. I was able to actually see that she was the one that was hurting. And this need to make it my fault that was just because she was going through something and it wasn't really my fault at all. There was nothing about, but she needed to be in control in whatever way she needed to right there. And eventually one of her last texts ended up being like, I'm realizing that this is me. Like I just didn't say anything. And she just went through her own moments all in her responses. And I loved how both of us weirdly showed up in that, but I also was recognizing and still honoring the fact that I was like, okay, so I'm so happy this presented itself because I got to see, even when I'm going through something like this, how I can still stay true to my boundaries. And then it was like, these were the moments I was able to give myself pats on the back, which we all should be celebrating ourselves when we hit those kind of milestones that you're just like, wow, I mean, I wish cancer wasn't the thing that, you know, got me <laughs> to this place, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Here we oh, are. You're, you're amazing. It reminds me, the other day, I, even last week, I was in the middle of a situation where I felt like I was right. And I'd received a voice memo and I sent one back and I listened to it and I was like, Beck, you sound like an asshole. <laughs> like, what is your intention behind that message? So I deleted it. Next day, I was like, I'm going to go again, send it, listen to it back. I was like, you still sound like, an, like you're being like, I hear what you're saying, but it's from an essence of you being condescending. Yeah. And I don't think that your intention is to try and make that person feel good. You're just trying to prove back that you're right. Yeah. Delete it. It took me five attempts. The fifth attempt, beautiful and created a really great outcome for the both of us. But it really did take time and time again of me going back and being like, I'm still, there's still the tonality of me trying to be like, yeah, see, I'm a good friend, like trying to prove that Beck's the right one in this scenario. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Oh my God. I read, I wrote out too, after I sent the voice, I mean, for, I want to say a solid half hour before I just decided not to do anything. I wrote out all, and then it just sounded terrible. And I was like, I just, 
this still isn't kind. I'm not being kind. She's actually showing me very much that she's just hurt, even though her what she said was very abrasive. It's it was such a moment to really see those things and see people's humanness without your emotional reaction getting in the way of it. I think that that's something to be said about really visibly looking at your emotion first before you react. That's the hardest part, though, is because the uh, the emotion's going to come. But if you can just give yourself like five minutes and like not do anything when something happens and just allow yourself, you will start to notice that that emotion is most likely unfounded. <laughs> like there's no reason for it to come up until you can see more clear. I love the saying, all parts have positive intention. So even when we're doing something that's ineffective, it's like this part of me that's showing up, she isn't actually trying to be nasty, cruel, mean to myself or others. It's most likely a protector part of me that feels like this is the right thing to look after Beck. And vice versa, when the friend sends a message that isn't in the way, shape, form that we desire to receive it from our usually really beautiful friend, that part still has positive intention for whatever she's going through and that hurt that you said that she was navigating again, most likely trying to protect her in some fashion. But there isn't maliciousness as the driving force, which the more that I anchor to that, it reminds me that all humans, like no matter what we're doing, how it's showing up, that that part is positive. So how can we help both of ourselves? Like even Preston was giving me some coaching support around my relationship. Like how can I support my partner to regulate his nervous system and vice versa because these ineffective parts showing up have positive intention, even if they're not serving the relationship. Oh my gosh, 100%. And I mean, that's the thing too, is that I also had to take that a step further too, because I was like, if she continues to reside in this place, then right now I can't, I can't put my energy towards this. And that's unfortunate, right? But those are the things that we have to do with everybody in our life. Sometimes like people hear things about self-development and uh, taking your power back and boundaries and all these, these things, these words, these keywords that we use all the time. And it can be very misconstrued because it's like when you're taking your power back or you're, you're removing your energy from somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be forever. You know, like I shall never talk to you again. How dare you? Right. It's we, we dramatize everything like we we do we make everything so much bigger than it needs to be and i mean i started to learn that with my friends where over time i just would if i wasn't feeling like there was this reciprocation of energy that felt healthy and good to me then it wasn't like i was i needed to have and sit down and have some conversation with them about it it was just that you i just would pull my energy back a little bit more right mm-hmm. um, and i and that's kind of what i did in this situation because at that time i needed to heal and if you're really in a place where you're healing your body from extreme trauma then the energy that you have around you is incredibly important and i wish that was being taught when it comes to cancer recovery, not the bullshit that I've witnessed in this field, because it's just putting a bandaid on so much of it where, you know, what was the root? Where did this cancer come from? What's the root of all of this? And how do we heal from that space as opposed to just throwing this, you know, let me give you some pills and all of the treatments and then you're, you're going to be okay. Do you have, if you don't mind me asking the clarity of what the root is for you? 
Well, you know, what's interesting is I've taken it many different directions. I can go scientific with it, but I don't think that's as fun. We should go spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Two bites over here. So I start like a lot of the things that I've healed is my toxic masculine. And that is really comes from that rejection wound, right? So when you're, when you have that sort of wounding that dates back very far for me, your masculine, my masculine became very toxic. So if somebody would trigger me a certain way, it was just like, excuse me, like all of a sudden this like person would come out, especially in relationships. And I would feel like that people pleaser too. I can take on everything. I will be this for everybody. That's your masculine, right? So that, that's that action oriented person, but I would do it in a very controlling way. And it didn't show up all the time, but when it did, it was not fun. There was like that part of me, it was not fun to be around. And our masculine and our feminine is our right and our left side. I had my breast cancer on my right side and I had this very interesting inkling that this toxicity, especially on my feminine, that never got a voice that didn't actually heal the side of me. And to, to have that on my right side was so interesting and intriguing to me because it it was all the work I had been doing was to heal my masculine and heal my feminine to come out and be that divine feminine that that shows up in a nurturing way, but not for something else, just mm. embodied in my feminine. And to have cancer there was really, really interesting to me. So that I, you know, I could go back and do all the science around it. You know, like I played soccer on fields with pesticides and all the things. And so who knows? <laughs> but again, believe very strongly, like our thoughts and our feelings definitely play a role in our health. And so and where do you, where do you feel like you are now in terms of integrating both that healthy masculine and the divine nurturing feminine that you've been speaking about? I mean, that's, that's all the work that I've been doing. Right. So like mm. go figure that my boobs were the things that were taken from me essentially. And, you know, wow. yeah, they're back, but they're not the same, you know? So it's loving myself through that. That's the feminine in me that's coming out where, you know, when those negative thoughts come in, it's nurturing myself through it. Where like, again, like I did before my surgery, I'll just be in the bathtub and just holding myself. And, and literally like, and I would have thought this was corny like 10 years ago. And it's so not. <laughs> But it, like it, like holding myself and, and like literally like rubbing my skin and being like, look at you, look at, look at you now with what you've been through. That's my feminine, my like divine feminine loving on myself in that moment. And my masculine is just, is healing in a way where there's this, like my anger is, you know, I don't have these like big, crazy emotional swings that I used to have, I've really done a lot of work around my emotions and being able to control my emotions when they come up. That was a big one for me. It's, and especially having had cancer, it was like, I, there's many times I could have screamed and yelled and cursed God for my situation. And it was like, they were both working together, you know, like my feminine and my masculine were very much working together, which is what I hope to get in a partner. Right. When I finally find that that special suitor. Mm, I can't wait for him to come in. I know. Me too. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, two quick questions before we complete. I know that you and I really, really connect around humor. Yeah. And you went from 
what you discovered in February to then once you, you started sharing online. And I, that's where I was like, do I ask questions? Do I not ask questions? Do I ask her? Is, do, what do I say? Do I don't want to say the wrong thing? I just want to let her know, like, I think what she's doing is amazing. And there was a lot of humor, especially your parents. You had them in your stories. How did you go from you in February and your mother behind the door, then coming out with the wine to integrating humor into a basically a pivotal piece of your healing? Oh my God. Cause humor always makes me feel better. I mean, it, you know, like when you can't control outcomes, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times when people can't laugh at things, it's because that need for control is so heightened within their system that they have to control everything, even like their reactions to things. And I mean, again, I was, there are so many funny moments with my mom and I. On my second surgery, I had two drains coming like right above my lady bits, like right in my like vag area, like wrapped around coming out. And they were like long with these like balls of like liquid that would come out. Like, and then I had one right above my ass, my asshole. I hope I can say that on here. <laughs> yeah, you can, we can, you can say whatever you want on here. And so I'm sitting there and then I'm wearing this compression garment, right? And these drains are going through that. And I'm like just being humbled around every corner with this experience because my mom's sitting there and I'd look at her and I was like, never thought we'd be doing this together, right, mom? And she's like holding my drain as I'm like trying to pee. And she's just like, nope, never, never. But there was like, so... I had to, once I got the drains out, like for three or four days after my surgery, I still could, cause like with lipo, you have fluid that goes inside those like holes and that's how they take the fat out. And so I would be like on my backside using my thumbs to like move the liquid and it would come out that hole <laughs> from where, wow. from where the, the drain was. And so I'm sitting there and you're just, again, you have to be so humbled by this experience. You're like, this is gross. And I am, I am like a neat freak when it comes to like my body. Like I hate anything that's dirty. I'm weird like that, like slightly OCD. So like, I hate smells, all of it. Right. So I'm really being tested (laughs) like everything right now. And my mom's just like, you know, my dad would always be sitting out on the couch. He would never help with any of this crap. (laughs) So my mom would like come in and there was one time she caught me and I was like standing over a towel and I was moving the liquid down and it was coming out and this, I'm not even joking. She walks in, she's like, oh God, oh, oh my God. Oh, you just, (laughs) you just don't see that every day, do you? You just, just don't see that every day. (laughs) I've never, usually she's like cool, calm and collected when I'm like, I mean, and I was like, stop it. And I was like laughing so hard because she cracks me up. Other time too, I stopped taking because I don't like to take like Percocet, but I had to, right? Because I was in so much pain and I couldn't sit in the bathtub. This is another really funny one with my mom. And I instead was using um, weed as like my medicinal weed. So I had this like weed pen and she, again, she, she's like, comes in to tell me dinner is almost ready. And she used to have to help me get my compression on. So she always had to come in to help me get this on. She walks in and I'm sitting, I have the bath going. 
but I just have my feet in because I can't take an actual bath. And I'm sitting on the edge and my drains are like on the edge of the tub. And I'm sitting there smoking my fucking weed pen. And she's like, okay, again, you just don't, you just don't this every day. And, and she goes outside and she's like, Jack, dinner's ready. She's like, and also your daughter's sitting there in the bathtub just smoking her weed pen. And they both just started laughing. (laughs) That, like, those were the moments that, like, we didn't take it seriously. And I, it was just like, can you believe that I'm going through this? Like, who would have (laughs) thought? Like, it. the more we said that, the more we laughed at all the crap that was going on. You're amazing. Your family's amazing. Mom, hello. Hello from Australia. You're incredible. Uh, I don't, we don't even need to turn it into a reality TV show because Candace's expressions when she tells stories feel so real. That I was like, I was there. I was pretty much in the bathroom witnessing that as it occurred right now. So funny. Um, okay, so one. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question before I ask you the final question. What would you actually say if any woman had something like this sprung on her path and I mean February was not it's a few short months ago really and to see where you are now everything that you've navigated this is some some people can't navigate that in a lifetime over years of the the pain and the the trauma and the just their body changing and everything everything that you've been through and just uh, like I said hands knees me on the floor you're just amazing you're an amazing 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 woman I'm in just wow to you right now I can't even speak properly about how incredible you really 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 are what would you say to someone going through a similar scenario I would first say that make sure that the energy around you is pure that you have good people there that you know and you have to be very honest like I personally didn't have my dad there during my first surgery for a very particular reason. I had my sister-in-law and my mom because my dad has a more anxious spirit and he loves me very dearly. And that sort of anxiety was not, especially I've never been in surgery before. I've never had any major surgery. So I was scared and I just didn't need, not that I don't love him dearly, but I didn't want that anxious energy around me. So I would say that and then receive love. If you're, if people are genuinely reaching out to you and saying like, I'm here to help, take that, take them up on that. And so often we think we can do these things on our own. And if it means that you need to be a part of some of these groups, there are amazing groups out there. So, you know, if, if you heard that part of me saying that I didn't personally do it, that's just not what my I needed at that time. But if that's comforting to you, then that's comforting to you. So make sure that and another thing too is don't always think that the doctors are the one like, you know, the for the surgery, that's great. But for my treatment, I didn't opt into chemo. And my results didn't feel like I needed to put my body through that for me personally. So, you know, do research if you have the chance to and and look at different avenues because there's a lot of different things and you get very bombarded. I was given doctors and I was like, you need to do this. And it was just very overwhelming. And you're able to choose these things, you know, like you can do your own research and you can figure this out and just make sure you have the right people around you. That was very helpful for me, but it's scary. Yeah. 
Amazing. You're so amazing. Thank you. Candice, it has been so amazing being with you today. Thank you for sharing all of your very, very vulnerable and real story with us. I love you. You're so funny. You're so beautiful. Can't wait for this incredible man to waltz into your world and sweep you off your feet. If anyone listening really just wants to get their hands on you energetically and enter your world, where do they find you? You can follow me on Instagram at Candice underscore Evolving You. And then it's just my first and last name on Facebook and TikTok and all of that. So Candice Danforth. But yeah, that's the easiest way. And she's hilarious. You know how I say I don't get stuck on a scroll, but I'll get stuck on funny videos. I can get into Candice's videos and just go and go and go. She is so funny. So make sure you find your way there, even just for like, there's so much brilliance. But the laughter, oh my God, you're going to feel so good about yourself afterwards. Thank you so much. I love you so much. Thank you, my love. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.